Hello, loyal listeners and supporters of WTIP's Boundary Waters podcast. This is Tom Sega, the president and CEO of Duluth Pack. We are so excited to sponsor the Boundary Waters podcast. Duluth Pack, the oldest canvas and leather bag and pack manufacturer in the USA, has been, for 137 continuous years, handcrafting canvas and leather canoe packs, backpacks, duffels, totes, shooting sports, and outdoor gear. That is dating all the way back to 1882. We are so proud of our time-tested quality and materials that allow you, our loyal customers, the opportunity to enjoy adventures and make new memories with your Duluth Pack products. All Duluth Pack manufactured products come with a lifetime guarantee on all craftsmanship and hardware. Get your kids the last school pack they will ever need. Duluth Pack has many styles that will meet your needs. Along with our manufactured gear, Duluth Pack's retail store in the Canal Park region of Duluth Pack holds the title of the largest cooperator of BWCAW permits in the world. You can shop at Duluth Pack's flagship retail store or our website at DuluthPack.com for all of your Boundary Waters and outdoor needs. We thank you for your support, loyalty, and business to both Duluth Pack and WTIP's Boundary Waters podcast. Please let your friends and family know about the Boundary Waters podcast. Duluth Pack, handcrafted since 1882. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experience were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters. And it's, it was really cool, it was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars, I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to episode 23 of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Lloyd. And I'm Matthew Baxley. Hello, Mr. Matthew. Hello, Chelsea. It's great to have you on the podcast, full on, on our team, (laughs) uh, making this this beautiful thing happen that we're doing. How does it feel so far? It's so wonderful, Matthew. Um, it's it's great to be on the team. It's great to get to know you and Joe more, and I'm so thrilled. Couldn't be more thrilled. Well, it's great to have you, and it's great to have uh, your interview on the show today. Uh, we've got a pretty fun lineup, so it's fall in the mm-hmm. wilderness, which means all sorts of things. It means amazing colors as the wilderness starts to shift and the trees start to shed their leaves. Um, the birds are doing their migrations. So There's all sorts of things happening out there right oh, now. The air is so crisp. The stars are so lovely. It's wonderful out there. 
Yeah, so today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit at the top of the show. Uh, Joe and I, as we forecasted in episode 22, Joe and I went into the wilderness for a short but sweet fall trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to take you all along with us on that trip today and <laughs> kind of experience it together. And I, I don't want to say too much about it because it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to hear about your guys' trip. You're going to hear it all. <laughs> Probably more than you want to hear. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. So how many days did you guys go out there for? Uh, you know, it was a short trip. We just went in um, a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk more about this. But the whole idea was retracing uh, one of the first interviews we did for the podcast, um, going out to Winchell Lake, uh, but in a completely different season. So um, short, sweet, lots of fun. And in the second half, we're going to hear from you. Yes, I got to talk with my friend Kirsa, who's a local gal here in Grand Marais. Kirsa and I met at the co-op. Um, we were working there together. And, you know, she has some some wonderful experiences with the wilderness. And a big topic we, we cover and delve into is just being women in the wilderness and being um, getting to be your full self. And that's, I mean, that's one of the greatest things, Chelsea, about having you a part of our podcast team is... Uh, expanding the voice of the podcast and expanding the perspectives that we get to see. And, you know, we got to do that pretty in a pretty cool way in episode 22. And I feel like you kind of grabbed that and ran with it. And we're going to hear a lot about that today. Yay! Yes! So let's dive in and uh, join our trip in the wilderness. All right. Here we are. Gearing up. We are in... Joe Frederick's Rider's Cabin, also the launching point for many of Boundary Waters trips here on the edge of the wilderness. And it's a dark night as we slip into fall. We got a light shown directly onto none other than a Boundary Waters map. Fisher 13, the F-13, a trusted map that I've referenced many times, uh, pretty much to the point where I could go on a trip without this map. But I still bring it, A, because I like looking at it when I'm out there. Mm -hmm. It's one of the main reasons I still like bringing this map. But also because, you know, it's fun to kind of veer off or just to, it's just a good thing to have. So here's what uh, we're looking at here. Mid-Gunflint Trail area. And we are going to start in uh, near Grand Marais here and uh, be coming up the Gunflint Trail. And we are going to enter. Now it's, it's October 18th today. And we are going to be, so you don't need to uh, get an overnight permit online as you do from um, May to the end of September. You can now just enter on a permit that you fill out like you would a day trip, but now this gets you through just like you do in the winter. We've described this on episode two if you want to hear more about that process. But it's a free overnight permit. So we'll fill that out tomorrow and and we're going to enter at entry point 47. It's the Liz Swamp entry point right on and so we will uh come in here this is our uh, also referencing episode two of the podcast this is the route we took to get to winchell lake yes if you'll recall and uh so on that trip we came down uh we did uh poplar liz caribou uh horseshoe of course you remember horseshoe well don't you sir uh, more on the way back than on the way out, but yes, I remember Horseshoe well. <laughs> Some wind and cold, a wind in particular that mm-hmm. we experienced there on Horseshoe going back. 
then Gaskin, and, and then we dropped down to Windchill, and we camped right there on the far east site on uh, the northeast shore of Windchill. So when I look at uh, a route on a trip, one of the immediate things that my eyes dial into are those uh, little uh, numbers between all the lakes, and I think a lot of people have that experience. The question immediately becomes, how far are we portaging? Mm-hmm. And uh, this trip doesn't look bad at all. Uh, I don't think we've got anything under over 200 rods, right? Exactly. And uh, not a whole lot of elevation. There's there's some in here going into wind chill. That's a steep up and down, if I recall. And there's a little here where that you can even see that hook there on. Oh, uh, sure. On uh, going into gas. Yeah, I think that's where horseshoe. you catch the ridge line, right? You kind of yep. catch catch the ridge line and then you drop. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So. Um, that's a, that's an option, and and for we're gonna maybe switch things up. We're we're gonna talk about this, and and the reason we're recording this is this is an important part of any trip, and often it doesn't get kind of the fanfare. A lot of people when they're producing a video, or Matthew and I when we're producing audio here for the podcast, we cut to the good stuff. We get out there at camp and. And that's what people you know. It's an easy sell, if you will. Well, so, being out, right? Yeah, and that and I. I I hope people relate to this, but I really feel like this is part of the good stuff. Uh-huh. You know, I have I have all my maps sure. from over the years, and and each one of them have memories of old trips and dreams of new trips. Yeah, exactly. and the map for me at least just contains all of this, either anticipation or recollection. And when I look at this, I think about that Winchell trip and doing that trip on skis, pulling poke sleds. Yeah. And and I haven't done this route actually in the summer. Mm-hmm. I know you have yeah. and you're familiar with it, but I'm so excited to see, when I look at the map, I, I have this anticipation. What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Mm-hmm. My senses, you know, like my mirror neurons start to fire and my senses start to come alive with the trip already. So I feel like it's an essential anticipatory yeah. component. And everybody goes through it. That's, you know, it's part of what the trip is. So that's why we're including it. And in a sense, we're kind of reversing the episodes. Typically, we do our storytelling up front, and then we'll get to a, more of a gear aspect in the second part of the episode. This is kind of the gear aspect today. We're talking about maps, and we're going to be going through our uh, what we're bringing on the trip here momentarily after we establish a route here. So for anybody that is curious, and, and this is maybe what we're talking about is foreign to you, um, the Boundary Waters maps, Fisher McKenzie are kind of the two main map producers, if you will, for the Boundary Waters. Um, we're reviewing this mid-Gunflint area. It's our route and where we're going to go. It has all the lakes, all the entry points, and the portage trails. And you calculate based on the red dots or the campsites where you're going to try to get to. Something you got to have a backup plan in case someone's at a campsite. So that's what we're setting out to do right now. Totally. I think we could do a whole another episode some point on maps because there's more companies than you named, both old and aging and new and upcoming. So put, let's put that in the back burner for I later. Think we totally should. Let's do a map episode here in uh, 2020 for sure. Okay, done. Well. So tomorrow we're going to start at uh, on the Liz and Swamp dual entry. Both come in off the Poplar area typically. But both feed into Caribou. Exactly. So I think for our purposes, um, you know, we're going to come in through the Swamp side and then our route really gets uh, 
where we're going to go once we get into Caribou here. Mm-hmm. So we'll come in through Swamp. That puts us on the southeast arm of Caribou Lake. Uh, I think we can both agree that we don't want to stay on Caribou. Nope. So on to Horseshoe. So now we're back on your favorite Horseshoe. You know, Horseshoe's a beautiful lake when it's beautiful, but that thing can turn into a wind tunnel from my <laughs> recollection, which if it's a headwind on skis at 30 mile an hour wind, that's... It did on that January afternoon, so I think we can also agree um, Horseshoe is not where we want to camp. Well, you, yeah, definitely don't want to camp, but I'm noticing, you know, our, our, our typical route would take us down uh, to the southwest side of Horseshoe into, Winch, uh, into Gaskin, but I also see that there's some other routes yeah the, there's the northwest arm which is uh actually where i would lean but i'm i'm not uh, i'm open to so have you been on this route before here i have yeah and uh so the ne- if you come on that northwest arm there's a 50 rod portage into allen lake which is a ge- it's uh it's a beautiful lake it's, yeah it's often overlooked i think there's reasonable fishing in there particularly probably this time of year here in October for walleye and, mm-hmm. and bike, and uh, and it's got a lone campsite on it, and and I think it's actually a pretty nice campsite too, so that would be an option. Well, you know, here's here's what I like about that. Uh, depending on conditions and and wind directions, I I I like the idea of recreating our trip from the winter, but I really like the idea of hitting a new lake. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we can aim for that one. Uh, as a potential. This is one thing I like about trip planning is having multiple options. Mm-hmm. And so let's keep that one open. When we hit Horseshoe, we can consider, do we do the standard route or do we go through Allen? And I think Allen could be really cool. Yeah. And so maybe what we do is we plan on going to Allen. And if we get to camp, I mean, we're going to get there pretty early. Oh, um, I mean, we'll be there before lunch, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. So we would... Uh, Maybe we could assess if that if the campsite calls to us or mm-hmm. if it's open. I mean, it's uh, in Minnesota we have what's called MEA weekend, so there's oh uh, that's there's right now potential there's yeah. some people out mm-hmm. in the Boundary Waters this weekend. I'd say uh, we can plan on probably seeing a, a fair number of people actually this weekend. Uh, but it is late fall. It's a certain. It's not going to be your everyday recreationists in, in there this time of year because the temperature is supposed to be 35 degrees and so forth. So, But I bet there's going to be some people in there. So it's either a horseshoe, but we're going to lean towards doing Allen and checking out that campsite. Yeah. That sounds awesome, new experience. That's going to feed through a series of two portages with a small lake in between. And this portage is interesting. This is almost... Uh, uh, into Jump Lake, into Allen is or into Gaskin is a uh, almost a, a. There's at one point like a cliff, like yeah, almost have to oh, go straight kind of down, yes. like a drop off. It's it's an interesting, memorable portage, I guess, is a way to describe it. Okay, so just that's something to think about. But it's 33 rods, so pretty easy, and that drops us right into Gaskin, um, and we will be ultimately getting back into Winchell. So. Um, that will be tomorrow afternoon, and, and we'll revisit the campsite and hang out on Winchell. Lake trout fishing is closed, so we won't be fishing on uh, Winchell. <laughs> I know, unfortunately. But we won't be fishing on Winchell, but we would l- like to fish on uh, either Gaskin or Allen or, or wherever I, we I end mean, up. I mean, I think we should troll the whole way, really. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, the, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't argue with Joe about fishing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Maybe on the way out. I mean, uh, there's some good fishing along the way, but we'll, we'll see how we're going. And I think um, 
you know, let's say we camp on Allen, drop our gear. That's an option. Or if we're just feeling good and maybe the site's taken on Allen or it just doesn't call to us, we will probably end up camping on Gaskin, I say, would be where we'll end up. Yeah, I mean, there's 10 sites on Gaskin. From what I recall in the winter, at least, it's a beautiful lake, very mm-hmm. alpine feel. Yeah. Um, so we, we're going to, you know, that's the best part about going in October. We're going to be fine. Yep. And yep. this route looks great for a little weekend warrior endeavor. Um, I'm pretty excited. I feel like now that I'm imagining the route, I can get to the next phase of this whole process. Yeah. So um, I think we've established where we're going to either camp on Allen or Gaskin tomorrow, and it'll just depend on how we're feeling and if the Allen site's opening some of those variables. So we've established our route now uh, here on the map. And up next, we're going to get into reviewing our gear. All right, well, I guess uh, we're looking pretty good here. We've now just spent the past, oh, probably half hour, 40, 45 minutes maybe, going over our gear for the trip. And this is a, you know, we'll talk in seasonal terms because this is mid, late October, the 18th, as we said. And so we had to talk about warmth. Indeed. Where, you know, sleeping. Uh, Matthew, you're going to be bringing your hammock along on the trip. Something we talk about now turning into regularly here on the podcast, right. hammock camping. So, and if you get cold, I got a, a comfortable, spacious tent that we're also bringing where I'll be staying. And there's plenty of room in there for you, buddy, if you feel like just either not setting up the hammock or, or crawling in. So that was kind of our first talking point. We made that decision, and then we we talked food, and I think we're going to be eating pretty well out there. Yes, you know I. I... I like how you can go through and you can figure out your food for every meal and you get all the basics down. But then, you know, as Joe pointed out in our process, there is additional food. And for two reasons, right? One, what if we're hungrier than we expect? Well, we may need more food. Second reason, what if we're out there longer than we expect? Unforeseen circumstances of any sort. So it's always good to pack extra. Yeah, exactly. And we've got uh, some pretty... You know, our extra is lightweight, some ramen, some good ramen, quality mm-hmm. ramen from the co-op in Grand Marais, and also just some oatmeal, easy, light. Things. Emergency food, basically. Emergency food, yeah. Calories to stay warm in case something happens. Yeah. Otherwise, we got uh, some rice dishes that we're going to put some sausage in. We're bringing meat on the trip uh, and eggs and some frozen sausages for breakfast one morning, some sausage and rice for brec- uh, for dinner on our, our first night at camp, and uh, maybe we were saying too, throw a walleye or a pike in there and oh, kind of a be nice. jambalaya type course, or we'll see. I hope this time tomorrow we're talking about that uh, northern walleye that we're throwing in our meal. <laughs> yeah. We're not planning to eat fish. Uh, that's something we should point out. Typically, Matthew, you and I, I think, would head out with the idea we are likely to catch fish. Uh, this is, you know, a different time of year. The walleye are are hungry but they're it's not going to be a slip bobber and a leech you couldn't get a leech in cook county right now if you <laughs> if pretty much right. your life depended on it so so we're and we're definitely not hauling in minnows clunky awkward heavy we don't we're not this isn't a fishing trip by any stretch of the imagination so um if we happen upon some we'll get them with uh you know jigs and or some some rapalas or something so we've got our uh food our fishing gear and then this last element that we were discussing was just making sure we have the right gear for any situation. So we know we're going to get some rain on the trip. 
We know we're going to have close to freezing temperatures at night. So just making sure we've got the appropriate rain gear. We've got an, an extra change of clothes. You know, worst case scenario, there's a capsize. We got to get to shore. We got to get the wet clothes off. We got to get warmed up and change clothes on. Um, and, you know, just a, a second pair of everything. Yep. Uh, just in case. And uh, I think we just checked those boxes off pretty quick. And we've got a sleeping bag and we, we each have a one pack that we'll carry and then we have a, a bare barrel that we're, we're bringing. So we're gonna single portage, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. And I'll carry the bare barrel uh, on the back and I'll carry the tent, my sleeping bag, extra clothes. And your Duluth, your smaller Duluth in my, pack. In my small Duluth pack. We made the decision I had my bigger Duluth pack out. That was the original idea and just didn't seem necessary. So we uh, downsized. I'll be carrying two packs if you can envision that. And it's not uncommon in canoe country. In fact, it's kind of the way to go. Voyager style. Exactly. Front and back. Exactly. And then, Matthew, you'll have the canoe. Yep. Your Kevlar canoe that we're bringing on the trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, your pack. Yep. My got a dry bag. Uh, so we're all set. I think we're looking good. It's probably going to be raining in the morning. That's what the forecast calls for. Scattered showers, nothing too threatening. And um, then actually clearing up throughout the day is the forecast. And... We're hoping to see some stars tomorrow, or, you know, we'll take what we get, but uh, we're excited to be going out here in October. We're glad you're here with us on the podcast. We got our gear ready. Check food, check map, check gear. Uh, now we just got to have dinner and go to sleep. And we uh, will talk with you. We'll probably give you an update, I think, uh, at the start of the, maybe as we're filling out the permit or early in the morning before we start rolling out and uh, we're glad you're here on this journey bienvenidos aquí to the boundary waters oh yay well checking back in here uh we have arrived to unload the vehicle it's a beautiful saturday morning we were preparing at least mentally preparing for rain and matthew baxley we've got beautiful conditions here to start out the trip yeah, the sun actually just rose not too long ago while we were driving up the Gunflint Trail, so we've got some beautiful morning light, and there's snow. <laughs> we uh, do see snow uh, mm -hmm. looking out the window. Not much, just little mm -hmm. pockets here and there, but they had a foot of snow here last weekend in this exact spot, so it smells. It's pretty wet up here, you know, standing water, and the water's high, and the river that we're going to, you know, the part of that Brule start river starts on horseshoe lake is the headwaters mm -hmm. of that we cross that bridge there on the trail and water's high so very high i haven't seen the water this high in the fall i don't know ever since i've been up here which is kind of pleasant because sometimes in the fall you may end up having really mucky long run out portages to get to the lake and i don't think we're going to deal with that i don't think so at all and uh all the leaves are off you know the birch and aspen and we've got tamarack gold to greet us on the trails oh yeah so we have miles to cover mm -hmm. and uh paddling to do so we're going to be coming in through that uh liz swamp entry that we told you about uh, last night and we've got quite a bit of ground to cover here i'm anxious to get going been up tossing and turning since three in the morning let's get out of here <laughs> all right let's go <laughs> All right, here we are, Windchill Lake. Matthew Baxley, you're, you've returned. I've made it back once again. <laughs> no disappointment. So, we've made it here uh, to our destination of Windchill Lake. We had a slight change from 
this morning where we uh, last gave our update at the vehicle as we were getting ready to head in through the Liz Swamp entry and we did that. Everything was great. Made it into Caribou as planned. No problem. Got to Caribou, which is a, an easy portage then into Horseshoe. And it was then that we realized, you know, the conditions were really favorable. And as you heard from our planning last night, we were thinking, in fact, the, kind of the tentative plan was to go in through Allen. Um, getting to Horseshoe though, it was just so calm, the traveling was so fast and easy, and maybe we wanted to just stay true to the retrace of the steps too. So that's what we did. I agree. Uh, it, staying true to the original trip, it's been a fun experience to see everything in a different season. Uh, it's a beautiful scene really on every portage. We got snow piled up all over both sides. Uh, a lot of snow melt on the uh, first portage uh, into Caribou, I believe, from Swamp. Mm-hmm. I almost I had the, the canoe in a pack, and I took a good slip at one point, and I thought I was going to go down, and Joe was nowhere in sight. But That's kind of how that portage has often treated us. Well, you took the slip last <laughs> last winter. Uh-huh. Two winters two ago. Two winters yeah. ago, and almost broke your leg, and I took the slip. But nowhere near as dramatic, I must admit. <laughs> uh, but the tamaracks are golden. Uh, the water, you know, we got, we knew rain was in the forecast and right when we paddled up to find the most beautiful campsite, the five star, just what you think of when you think of a Boundary Waters campsite high up on a rock, uh, rain started coming down. So the timing's been perfect today. And and so we opted again, we, we veered away from the Allen lake route we, we're thinking we might go home that way even a more roundabout way and come in through allen tomorrow on the way home but uh we are on gaskin we established a camp on gaskin on that eastern island side actually i think we can just throw it right out there that's where we are because nothing to hide about the, you know that it's a remarkable site so we're on that far eastern campsite on gaskin uh an island site and we are fortunate it's just so beautiful in there and then we we set up we made some lunch in the rain cooked up some ramen and hid under some cedars mm, that um, was a nice little enclave away from the deluge of rain yeah it rained pretty good for a while actually maybe about 45 minutes and maybe close to an hour actually and uh, we had lunch we heated up some water and hung out for a bit then the rain broke we set up the tent did that pretty quickly and uh, then Jumped in the canoe and said, let's, let's get back to where we set up uh, for episode two. So anyone, if you're listening to this episode now 23 and we keep referencing back to this trip that we've done, uh, episode two is what you want to go check out. We did this exact same route two years ago during the winter into Winchell Lake to this exact site. In fact, Matthew Bax, if you look, what, about 20 feet maybe to your, yeah, to, your uh, to the east, to your right? That's where we stayed. That's where we lived for days and hunkered in and fished and hung out. And um, here we are. We're back, man. Yeah, you know, it's so surreal. You know, at least for me, uh, I I forget a lot of things that I do until I revisit a place. And now that we're here, I'm remembering, you know, because it was below zero temperatures out here and just the endless amount of harvesting of wood. And now it's all coming back to me. And and Gaskin on the, or uh, Winchell on the east end experienced a burn. Um, so it's a really stark landscape. And backing up a little bit, when we were on Gaskin, it was almost just perfectly calm water, beautiful reflection. And then 
true as last trip, <laughs> came up over the ridge. Joe said, I can hear the wind blowing. <laughs> and then we got down to the portage right onto Winchell, and it was just a howling. <laughs> true to its name, Windy Winchell. Windy Winchell. And so we're kind of hunkered down behind a boulder yeah. here at the at the campsite on the east end, and, and we put the tent actually on the ice uh, for our trip because this was all locked in on snow and I mean, fairly deep actually here on Windchill, and so we decided. And you know, just the the is flat, obviously, on the lake. We didn't have frozen. to dig out a spot. Mm-hmm. So we just set the tent on the lake right there off at shore, and now we're here. You can see, in fact, we never really saw much of the campsite. I think the the fire grate was covered in snow, and we couldn't really see any of this that we're looking at here now. And it seems like a pretty nice sight. Yeah. So here we are. We're back. You know, in a sense, Matthew and I were saying this. This is an important spot for us and the podcast because in many ways this campsite, this trip that we did two years ago during the winter is where the podcast started. It's, you know, episode two, but it's our first trip we ever did. It's how we kind of figured out how we're going to narrate what the podcast is all about. In many ways at that point, we didn't really know much about if people were going to listen to it what it was going to be about, and now here these years later, um, we're so grateful to be back and, and so grateful for you, our listeners, who've been following us on this journey all the way. Yeah, it's uh, the inception and now a returning. Uh, you know, one of the things that it makes me realize, and I've said this before on the podcast, is you can go to a place in every season and you're going to have a really different experience. And, uh, you know, right now it's the fall. It's going to be completely different than the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's warm and Winchell's so inviting with its towering white pine and uh, deep, clean water to swim in. Uh, swimming can be further from my mind right now. <laughs> uh, but it is an amazing thing. I feel like that's one of the best parts about the wilderness, especially in northern Minnesota, is each season's so distinct. And the fishing's different all the time. Yeah, and so Windchill now, I mean, you could, you know, technically legally catch a northern and, and try to target a northern. And as we found out on our trip ice fishing here, there are some dinosaur-like <laughs> northern pike in this lake. But, you know, we're going to get back to Gaskin later and try for some walleye and, and maybe some pike in there. So we're just, we wanted to come in here primarily to revisit the campsite, uh, grab some audio here on Windchill, and uh, also just to kind of hang out spend some time reflecting on the podcast and uh just to be here really so yeah it's it's pretty quiet out here all along we saw a couple guys on horseshoe or a canoe and at least one person there uh not sure exactly the size of the party but a couple people it sounded like on horseshoe right there at that first campsite in off the portage and then we saw a solo paddler on gaskin and as you might expect here in late october it's pretty quiet not a lot of people around so uh, we're just going to hang out here for a little bit, look around at the campsite on Windchill. We're probably not going to paddle any further to the west just because it's windy windchill and there's no real reason to. And and it'd be fun to go hook up on some walleyes back in Gaskin and the water's glass calm there. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're really grateful to have you listeners along on this special trip with us. Uh, and, and true to this whole thing, we are presently in the most exciting phase of the trip planning and implementing process which is the trip itself so we'll see you probably back at camp yeah we'll touch base uh when we get back to we haven't recorded anything yet at camp as a matter of fact on gaskin so we'll touch base when we get back hopefully we got a couple fish uh to 
talk about when we get back, and uh, otherwise we'll just give you an update from camp. Deep contemplations around the campfire. Back at camp on Gaskin. Actually, our first recording here from camp, and no fish yet, but that's okay. The sun's going down right now. Matthew's taking a few casts here with some giant beastly lure that he stumbled upon on his travels. And as the sun goes down, we've got this just amazing campsite here, this island campsite on the east side of Gaskin. And kind of putting it into context as we watch the sunset on what's arguably the nicest day of the fall. You know, the thing about the podcast that is is so interesting for us is that this is audio storytelling, so we don't have the luxury of video to accompany our our stories where you know, a lot of things on YouTube or people are doing it that way. Matthew and I are sticking to audio primarily, and we, you know, look back on some of the stories we've heard from Eric from Nebraska this summer about his trip after his dad passed away, and Ann and Steve Holtz and their trips through in the Boundary Waters area and Knife Lake and over there, and some of the youth that we've been able to talk to, Julia Ruel, and all these people, and the common theme through it all is, when they get out here, it all makes sense. Everything just kind of gets in a better perspective of values and what the day-to-day is really all about. And a lot of that is getting to this spot right where we are right now. We're so thankful to be here. And, um, you know, and when we hear from people from Arizona and say, well, when I'm stuck in traffic or I'm in Minneapolis or St. Paul, stuck in traffic, I throw on the podcast because... Your stories uh, take us there. So we hope that uh, this puts it in, that you're here with us too right now. We feel that here on the podcast because it's just a beautiful sunset right now in late October down here in the Boundary Waters. I think I just want to paint the the audio picture. Yeah. That uh, the sun has just slipped out of view behind a black silhouette of white and jack pine towering over all the cedar and balsam and spruce and there's an orange hue just settled in the west with some clouds turning bright colors all around the lake this cloud the trees are shifting from their greens and golds into just a black sort of backdrop that frames in the beautiful light blue of the lake with a ripple across it in the breeze. And as with the setting sun, that fall crisp just settles into the air and begs any humans that are sitting in the Boundary Waters campsite to spark up a fire. I think that's exactly what we should go do, my friend. To the campfire. campfire. Here we are, darkness upon us, gathered around the campfire lights and the starlights above. You know, I've been uh, reflecting on time today and uh, talk a lot in the podcast about how the wilderness only ever reflects back to you what you bring to it. And uh, 
today I realized that it must be bringing a lot of sadness because I was feeling a lot of sadness out on Winchell and paddling around gasking and fishing and it wasn't a bad sadness it was just reflecting back it's been a summer of huge transitions my partner and I buying a our own cabin and acreage and renovating that and diving into that and uh, giving up the guiding business last spring and finding new career paths and you know all of that took me very far away from the wilderness and how important it is it feels so good to be back and to get my head out of projects and out of finances and out of just the silliest things that consume all the thoughts sometimes endlessly and remember what's really important which is just being and just being present and you know nurturing the campfire into existence is always one of the most therapeutic parts of being out here and reminds me how important it is to nurture all of the fire in my own life to keep the passion going Well, I think, uh, you know, there's about a trillion stars up above right now. It's a cold, crisp night. And, you know, we saw, I think the day really exemplifies so many things about a Boundary Waters trip. The experience started out uh, snow on the ground, the anxiety, the uncertainty, just the anticipation. Get the trip started out calm easy paddling to start out making great time and progress and then starts to rain rained pretty steady and solid for about an hour and significant amount of rain and then it cleared up again and it was just such a clear beautiful evening and now it's getting cold and it's beautiful in its own way but it's dropping down into the 30s and we've experienced all that in um, just a little over 12 hours we've experienced so many things and we've talked a little bit uh, this evening around the campfire about how I started really getting into the wilderness and backpacking and how backpacking is a, it's a great thing we talk about it even on the podcast quite a bit actually but uh, canoe camping canoe country traveling getting in here we just had a great dinner just just unbelievable and carrying all that in our packs carrying two packs Matthew carrying the canoe in a full pack and just that travel of getting in here is is different than backpacking and it really appeals to both Matthew and I in this way that um, has just really turned that I mean that fire was already burning for the outdoors for both of us but learning about the boundary waters has really been something. I mean, a life-changing thing for both of us. Yeah. I think there's something powerful about being on the water, being connected to the water, and and the fact that all the water is connected. Water here is connected to Winchell, is connected to Brule, is connected to, you know, the whole system, and it's an amazing experience and not to mention every campsite is a lakefront experience 
Including this gym. It's a heck of a spot. <laughs> Okay, got camp broke down, and it's a beautiful day. Uh, some steam on the lake here, and the sun is out. So we're gonna head up. Now we're gonna retrace that route that we originally planned to take coming in. So we're gonna go up through Jump here off of Gaskin, and get a full day of paddling ahead. We're gonna take our time. It should be a nice day on the water. What the heck's that? Some, uh, what the heck? Coming out of the water. What the heck? Joseph! Ed? Oh, it's old man Ed! I've been looking for you for, for hours! Ed, what the heck are you doing here, man? I had a You're coming vision. out of My mother appeared to me in my sleep and said, The boys are in danger! You must go to them! Ed, that water's got to be freezing. How the heck did you get out here? I turned off my senses and I went. I've been in this water since I was born, son. Are you okay? Ed, we're what has happened? Ed, we're fine. We're recording a podcast episode out here, and <gasps> we're Matthew's up breaking down camp, making a final look around. What the heck, Ed? This is crazy. Something what? terrible. Ed, What's this is happen? Ed. This is the Boundary Waters. I know what the Boundary Waters is. Do, do you even have your permit, Ed? I don't need you... a permit. I don't have a watercraft. I swam here. Ed, where are you going? I don't know what to think anymore. Mother has steered me astray. We're fine, Ed, but we're, we're, I'm worried about you now. I found my own way. Ed, come back. Home. Ed! What the heck? This is crazy, man. Ed, where the heck? What in the world's going on? What was that? Matthew. Matthew. A bunch of splashing around. Were you talking to somebody? You're not going to believe this. What? Old man Ed just swam up to our campsite. What? I'm serious, dude. Your neighbor, old man Ed, he was just here. No way, dude. Yes. You got to let this whole Ed thing go. He's just a sweet old man. He was, he's kind of, he, that's a whole other story. He, but he was just here. No. Yes, on, he was. Man. I'm not kidding you. you need to, we got to get you out of here. Oh. Well. I got it recorded. Old Man Ed is real. If you want to learn more about Old Man Ed, visit our Patreon site. We've got some interesting interviews with Old Man Ed. It really happened. It's documented here on the podcast. He came to our campsite in Gaskin. Come on. I'm going to pretend like it didn't happen. It's time to get on with our day. Let's go, Joe. He was here, dude. I'm telling you. Come on. We're professional. He was here. truth is, the more beautiful and meaningful the trip is, the harder it feels to stand on the edge of the final lake, imagining having to return back to all the silliness of the world. <laughs> but man, was this a good trip, huh Joe? Today has been unbelievable. It's Sunday and paddling out. Our last portage ahead of us here. 
take a breather and reflect on the day that's been we said yesterday was the nicest day of the fall today has a beat it's just been beautiful from sunrise to joe's supposed encounter with ed questionable ed was there uh, to, <laughs> to uh taking that alternate route back uh one of the most beautiful portages of the trip just this deeply green river flowing through a small cavern ancient trees tumbled all around it and yeah it was nice and then we went into allen and you hooked into a nice northern as uh, a matter of fact 22 23 inch i think just big and healthy would have made for part of our jambalaya feast last night had we had that but that's okay we ate plenty well and he's now still swimming around out there and yeah, just took our time coming home. Highlighted at the end by a bald eagle performance that we will never forget. Never seen such pristine swoops and dives in the effort for a, a foul meal. <laughs> Literally went after swooping and diving after some waterfowl. Looks like it missed and everyone escaped. They flew past us in a frenzy. I don't think I've ever seen a duck move <laughs> quite like that before. Yeah. One disappointed eagle headed into uh, in these lakes being open only a short time longer. I hope that eagle gets a move on here pretty quick. So there it is. We retraced our steps back to Winchell Lake. Literally pretty much uh, the exact same route, almost you know, to the couple feet on either side of us, it seemed, as far as exactly where we went. It was a lot of fun to get back into beautiful windy windchill and... Uh, Stay on Gaskin on a, you know, probably got down to 30 degrees, 31 degrees last night. I had frost on my hammock for certain. Mm-hmm. And uh, then just to take our time on this beautiful fall day. And, you know, one thing we appreciated too, how easy it was. Just filled out the self-issue permit, came in. Every campsite that we saw was open. Mm-hmm. And so this is a great time of year. And we're so thankful that you were on this journey with us here on the podcast. We'll see you out there. Wow, Matthew. So cool getting to hear about your guys' trip. Sounds like it was a a really nice time. You know, it was was really good. I don't know about that whole... I mean, I didn't believe that old man Ed showed up. (laughs) And now that I actually heard the recording, I think that sounds pretty legit. I mean, he was there. I got to meet this guy, Matthew. <sighs> I don't know if you want to. He sounds like a character. Well, I, I'm sure you'll get a chance to okay. at some point. I'm, I'm, I'm almost actually fully confident you'll meet old man Ed at some point. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I was listening to that, you know, I was listening to some of my own reflections from the trip and this idea of, um, you know, what you bring out into the wilderness and how it reflects back, you know, yourself. Uh, but also realizing, I don't know about you, but a big part of the trips that I go on are shaped by the people I'm out there oh, with. Oh, totally. The dynamics, the relationships. Um, I was talking to Kirsa when we were off the air, actually, and she was talking about her very first trip, and it sounds like it was quite an experience. Um, and she said that at the beginning of the trip, they weren't really getting along, and by the end, they had really bonded over trying to protect each other over the storm. So I totally mm. feel that. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I know when I... 
you know, when I go out with Joe, it's going to be a completely different trip than if I'm out, say, with my partner, Lindsay. Yeah. Um, or if I'm out solo. Yeah. Um, and, but there really is something really pure about the solo trip hmm. experience, too, which I think is something we should loop back to on the podcast at some yeah. point. It'd be really good, actually. <laughs> totally. Um, but there is this idea that you guys touch on that the wilderness is for everyone. Yeah, I think I think that statement right there is very powerful and something to ponder. Um, but yeah, I'd totally be up for just letting Kirsa and speak for herself. Yeah, on that topic. But uh, before we do, I just also want to say a huge thanks to Kirsa. She's a rock star. Yeah. And an amazing human being to have in our community. Yeah. And to have in the wilderness, I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah, let's hear from her. So today on the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast, I'm joined by Kirsa. What's your last name, Kirsa? Anderson. Kirsa Anderson. Yeah, boring. <laughs> <laughs> She's a local gal here in Grand Marais. I am. And as I understand it, you are also a very experienced wilderness guide and canoe guide and musher. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love mushing. Um, I could talk about that for hours, but I guess let's go over the guiding part first. Yes. So I used to work at wilderness canoe base for six years five six i can never remember i always go back and forth with myself but a long time yeah, yeah. a good chunk of my kind of childhood adulthood so yeah. i started working there as a volunteer um i think when i was in 10th grade and then i like was on staff there and worked there through um i think my junior year of college or sophomore year i can't remember but um yeah i held a lot of different roles there but i actually was never a guide there oh okay i was on base so i worked um with all the canoes i was in charge of all the canoes and assigning them and knowing if they were bow or stern heavy um and switching canoes if people had you know a younger group or something like that um and then i was also in charge of the camp store (laughs) and very important role oh yeah make sure the kids get their cow tails after they're done (laughs) what's a cow tail it's so good um i don't know what state or country of origin it it comes from Mm -hmm. but it's like it's kind of gross it's like (laughs) this kind of long um caramely nougaty strip mm, mm-hmm. yeah it's like 100 percent sugar <laughs> and yeah it's good Lovely. it's very weird odd texture <laughs> <laughs> so but i mean when you were so when you were working at canoe base you probably got to take some pretty cool trips too yes I mean, yeah you lived in the in the boundary waters yeah 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 so wilderness canoe base is based on two islands and a little bit of the mainland um, on Seagull Lake. So it's based on Fishhook Island and Dominion Island. Okay. And there's a big red bridge that crosses between them. Cool. Um, Talking about food and cowtails, we met at the Grand Marais Co-op when we were both we working yes. there. Yes. And so for me, I experienced the co-op <laughs> first. Um, I would love to go there and get like healthy snacks to bring on trips. So yeah. I was just wondering like, what kind of food do you like to bring on canoe trips? Oh my goodness. Okay. So that is a perfect segue into my other job at the canoe base, which was the, my last year working there. I was the trail shack coordinator. So it's like a quartermaster. So I was in charge of all of the gear, fixing the gear, wow. all of the food, prepping the food, packing the food. Wow. Um, and so that was like the most fun job ever because oh. I love cooking and I love just, I don't know, like making 
food easy to make on trail because mm-hmm. that's a big challenge too like mm-hmm. whether it's sunny or rainy you still have to be able to make food mm-hmm. um <laughs> and um yeah making food making it easy making it good yeah um, and trying to make sure that like kids and adults can eat it and that it's not just like sugar and carbs mm-hmm. that it has like fat and protein in it so that yeah so that people don't just you know eat some pancakes when they get up and they're like oh my god I'm so hungry oh my gosh so would you kind of plan meals I mean for me when I like to go out there I don't like to eat a big lunch because then I feel like weighed down yeah um how would you plan meals for these kids okay well (laughs) um usually for breakfast there'd be something like oatmeal and then to cover the oatmeal taste for some kids we would Mm -hmm. always add like peanut butter you could add oil to it while you're cooking it so that just had that extra fat Mm. um i would always make sure that guides knew that they could take extra oil and peanut butter because it's super cheap calories and they're really condensed calories so you know very fatty um peanut butter obviously has a lot of protein in it too so yeah um it was, it was always like oatmeal. I mean, it could be pancakes. Um, what do you think? There's like granola. Um, one was banana pudding, but it was actually a banana bread recipe mm. that they just made into a pudding. It was kind of gross, but some people really <laughs> loved it. So um, it's kind of amazing how everything <laughs> tastes better on trail. Oh, yeah. And outside <laughs> in general. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh my it's gosh. like unbelievable. I could talk about food for hours, but I want to hear more about some of your trips. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I think the trip that I think of when people are like, oh, you know, what's the best trip you've ever been yeah. on? It was my first year actually on staff. So I think it was like 2015. I was a freshman. I just finished my freshman year of college. And I was like super burnt out because college like wasn't really for me. I like I, we both went to St. Olaf. Oh yeah, yep. that's right. I totally forgot. Uh, um, hard we, school. Oh, it's the hardest school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of writing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and I am just like very Norwegian in ethnicity. And I have like, I'm like a generational student at St. Olaf. So yeah. like all of my relatives back from the beginning of time have gone wow. there. Yeah. And I really didn't want to go there because I was like, I don't want to be one of those like classic Olies. And I don't know. I had a hard time there because yeah, whatever. The administration was weird then. Um, and learning, I had like a million learning disabilities too that I just figured out towards the end of college. So being in the wilderness was like a perfect um like breath of fresh air literally literally um to yeah have a break from school which is what brings so many people to the gunflint trail seasonally is like Mm -hmm. a break from school doing something yeah yeah so good i I, same thing really that's so interesting that we both kind of had that experience um I don't know. I felt like I, I wanted to work at Tuscarora to just kind of, yeah, get away, get away from school, yeah. the stress. Oh man. So, so you were saying one of your favorite yes. trips you took. Yeah. So it was just after my freshman year of college. Um, so this was like our training trip or staff trip, break and trip, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew like maybe half the people on the trip just because they were previous staff from other years when I was a volunteer and um, the other half I didn't know and they were really the ones who were like needed to 
like learn how to guide and stuff because that year I was just on base. So mm-hmm. I was just kind of my role was just being like a deadweight camper or something like <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, I'm sure you had a lot to contribute, but we went um, I 89 miles in four days or something, which was brutal. That's a lot. Yes. Dang, so four days. So what is math night? Like four days. How many miles a day would you go about? I'm going to have to bust out the calculator. <laughs> some days it was like 25. Over 20. Yeah. yeah. And some days it was less. Here I'm doing it. 89 divided by four. <laughs> 22.25. So that's a lot. a lot. Yes. And especially when some days it's like way more portaging mm-hmm. than paddling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's like one of my most my one of the achievements I'm most proud of yeah um because it just like I came straight from school I think I finished a final and then drove up there wow and then we had a little bit of staff training but then it was like boom we're right on this trip mm-hmm. and actually even though I'd been working at the canoe base before it was one of the under five times that I've been in boundary waters yeah like up till then yeah. um and yeah it was like totally amazing we started in seagull and then went like alpine jasper oakish and then we were like cut up um to knife the south arm of knife bonnie pickle spoon whatever and then back around and down and then we like did thomas fraser alice and then we went up on the koishui oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) i like passed away on the koishui that day I have like I have like a distinct memory of me like having like no hope where I was like we are so far out here and you've been paddling how many miles since oh like- my god so long <laughs> <laughs> oh um yeah and the Quishway water is just like muddy it's a river mm-hmm. so all of the water that we filtered was just disgusting <laughs> and one of the people on my trip he got bitten by a black fly in his sleep in his eye and Oof. so it's it like was swollen oh. to the size of a baseball oh it was so scary um <laughs> but we made it through and then after that so from the Kawishui back to like Ogish is like really kind of sketchy there's like makwa in there mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of i don't think we had very current maps and so there's a lot of old portages there that have been retired since like the blowdown or some fires or something like that. Oh wow. Which were also like the most beautiful lakes I've ever seen. Yeah. And I there was like one um portage where it was honestly a deer trail. Like <laughs> it like I had to run with the canoe on my back the whole time because if I stopped, then I would get stuck on branches and stuff. Oh my gosh. And it was a long portage. It was terrible. We were like, we can either do this like 240 rod portage mm-hmm. or we can like cross, like go like portage around these rapids and do like three thirty rod portages. And we're like, the lake was kind of swampy and yeah. we we're like, I don't know if that's going to be very good. And the water was super high because it was the beginning of the year yeah so it was a really inspiring really tiring trip Mm -hmm. and that really threw me into you know the boundary waters tripping like really serious yeah 
kind of stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. But then also after that, I think the kind of administration at the kidney base was like, we need to not do that because (laughs) it like makes guides nervous. And that's not what tripping is like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Usually, you know, the youngest groups, the most inexperienced groups would maybe just do like a red rock loop, which I did in six hours with two other people. Wow. And most people can do over five days. Wow. So. So you're serious, serious business. Like, oh, I love going fast. I love doing like the Ely challenge. That's another thing that people you've love done the doing. Ely challenge before? Kind of. Um, <laughs> so I went with some people who have done it before, but we were just racing across to go stay at my friend's dad's cabin that had a sauna on Burnside. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) we just absolutely booked it across. And I think we left from Seagull at noon or one. So we were like kind of nervous, but we got all the way to South Arm by seven. I think it was like 630. And yeah, it was so cool, so empowering. And we read books out loud. Oh. We had two canoes, six people. And so the Duffers would read books out loud. And we finished a book just in two days. That's such a good idea. Yeah, it was Dang. so fun. And actually, that book is how I got into mushing. It's called Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube by Blair Braverman. <laughs> and it's it's such a good book. I originally picked it up because it's about women in the wilderness like women and non-binary people and trans people and other lgbtqia people say that 10 times fast (laughs) um just like in the wilderness and kind of violence happening to them so also that same year that i went on that super long trip we had an all women's trip which was so cool and i wish i could have been on that trip yeah yeah i've never been on an all-women's trip before actually i know this next summer yes i would love to yes but they were doing like a really simple portage and they're all really experienced and it was like towards the end of their trip so even the inexperienced people were like you know knew what they were doing and this like group of guys it was like fishermen dads and sons and stuff were like oh do you guys need help are mm-hmm. you sure you can do that mm-hmm. do you need help taking down the canoe and it was just like they were like no we're fine <laughs> um i literally have a question written down for you about this very topic so yeah, our the episode 22 that just um, recently came out a little while ago. So it was really based around this love story that yes, started in the wilderness. I listened to you it. Listened it was so it? cute. Yeah. And so, as you know, it was, so it was led by, um, by two people, um, one who is non-gender conforming and, and also a female. Um, and so, and the other guide was a female. And they were leading, I believe, a group of... Um, female students and people of color and yeah there is sometimes this misperception in the boundary waters not in the boundary waters but like there's this misperception I've noticed where people think of it sometimes as a place where men go to fish and hang totally out oh my god oh and uh that's not the case there's yeah. so many ladies who love the boundary waters and actually a former co-worker who I worked with when I at Tuscarora she was also she had worked at wilderness canoe base and i remember her telling a story about how when she was growing up she and all the the girl cousins would go shopping and then the guys would go fishing in the boundary waters and yeah so then you know she 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 grew up and she's like i want to do that and she did 
so as a woman and you're rocking the acrylic nails yes and you've also done 90 mile wilderness trips yeah what would you say to ladies or like non-gender binary folks or just people of color anyone who it doesn't fit the like the stereotypical guy in the wilderness um what would you say to them who might those people who might be interested in going on a boundary waters trip that's how like the initial perception that people have when they like, go to an outfitter or when they're planning a trip with like a youth group or mm-hmm. with their friends going up to the boundary waters like it's inherently not very um open and friendly to but it's so people it's i know it's i know everybody yeah so yeah it's like um people go to the wilderness to like be free and experience their true selves but also something that's covered in blair braverman's book mm. is that violence can happen to you and that's something that just like women always have to deal with or people of color always have to deal with is that like you don't know what kind of people are out there mm-hmm. but also it is a really free place it is where i like gained most of my confidence growing up whenever we would come up here as a kid we never went into the boundary waters but it was always this like mysterious magical place and the art of storytelling i know you guys have talked about this before um but like the art of storytelling is so alive and well about mm-hmm. the boundary waters in the boundary waters and kind of around this area it's like while the past has indicated that only men are welcome especially white men but now i think there's a new era kind of rising where there's people like us who are so adamant about getting out there and showing other people that we can get out there. Um, it was just, that's not the, you know, it's not like we're trying to prove anything. Oh but yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. There's just like a new, more gentle kind era where yeah. we can reteach ourselves like, you know, teaching someone how to do a three person lift of the canoe. There's more kindness. There's more acceptance. Yeah. There's more effort now. Yeah. And I feel like it's becoming slowly but surely like a much more fair, equitable, super fun place. Um, Where everyone's welcome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Good for those guys for getting out there. Good for yeah. the, the people we heard from on the last on uh, episode 22. Everybody. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. welcome. That's what I love about it. Yeah. I love the new efforts of Leave No Trace to like an extreme extent of you know making campers look for you know micro litter yeah micro litter oh my gosh micro litter it's a good word right yes it is (laughs) but a terrible thing that happens yes i'm so grateful for the women and gender non-conforming people who have come before us to kind of help pave the way to um destructuralize the colonial settler narrative Mm. of like conquering the wilderness Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and you know are helping us usher in this kind of new wilderness principle where we can i don't know all enjoy it and leave no trace is a huge part of that and yeah breaking down structures we love breaking down structures (laughs) i really like how you put that because it is true. I think there is that perception of that idea of conquering the wilderness. And oh my gosh, yeah. To me, gosh, I could say so much about it, but um, to me, it's more about 
being a part of it and instead of conquering, just being a part of it. And like you said, being yourself yes. in the wilderness. Yes. So we, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about our trip that, that was supposed to happen that never happened because <laughs> it was so sad and so funny and so weird. <laughs> so, okay. Tell me your rendition of the story. Okay. So did you message, message us first? I must have. But of course, okay. there's no reception. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I think happened is that um, Chelsea was like, hey, do you guys want to go on a canoe trip? Like a day paddle. Yeah, day paddle. And the other person in this group chat was our friend Hannah, who mm-hmm. we also met at the co-op. Mm-hmm. And... She's like, want to go on a day trip? And then we were thinking about day trips. And I had to work um, at noon that day. So we were thinking we were going to get up super early. and Which we did. We did get up so <laughs> early. Oh, it my god! It was gosh. so dark. I yeah. didn't even sleep that night before. I was so excited. I know. To me too. You guys. Um, and I was like prepping like first yeah. aid kit. I feel like, you know, you're only ever as good of a traveler as you are your first aid kit. So. Yeah. Um, and especially because it's like cold outside mm-hmm. and yeah, anyway, but we, we decided that we wanted to go to Rose cause I've never been there and it's somewhere I've always wanted to go. And I've just like on all my off days, working up the trail, all my off days now, I just like haven't gotten up there and people just, you know, never shut up about it because it's so beautiful. <laughs> and even when I was working at Minogen as a dog musher, um, which is on West West Bearskin. Bear I never got up there because I was always dog mushing mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we decided on Rose. I was going to pick Hannah and her friend, which um, she joined last minute, but you know, duh, still welcome. Cause I think we we're going to have two canoes. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And I picked Hannah up at um, five, I think. Oh my gosh. And so I got up at like four 30 oh. to like pack all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, I picked Hannah up at five and we headed up the trail. And so we went to what we assumed was the only landing on West Bearskin. We're going to start on West Bearskin, go up to Rose. And so this is the, it's on the entry point, but it's like, it's on Hungry Jack it's a, Road. Yeah. It's on Hungry Jack Road. Just, just, just before um, the Y Camp Minogen. And, it's the best place to access West Bearskin if you're going to go to Rose. Yeah, it's, it's like straight across. Yeah. yeah, you just go straight across to the portage. And yeah, we got there. I had like my headlamp on and we were just like getting all of our gear on. It was really cold. We got the canoe in the water and we were like, I wonder where Chelsea is. Like these aren't her, you know, none of these cars here I don't think are her car. Yeah. And um, so we got down there and we we're like, how long are we going to wait until we just like go and yep. i was like i feel like we're kind of at the point of no return yep. and there's no cell service up there obviously yep. so we couldn't be like chelsea where are you um and so yeah what we ended up doing was i think at 7 a.m right around then we just took the canoe out on west bearskin the most amazing sunrise oh i've gosh. ever seen in Literally my entire life every single like business facebook page in yes. town was posting about this sunrise it was like epic yeah it was so cool and so the original plan was to get going and get on rose and then have sunrise coffee on rose which totally would have been amazing and totally could have happened um alas but yeah we went on <laughs> 
uh, West Bearskin and just paddled around and this loon was like hanging out with us. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we just kind of chilled out there. So, and what happened from my perspective was I had, I, when you were talking about old maps that didn't, weren't updated, yeah. I had, a, I was going from a map that didn't have that landing that you guys were at on my map. And I think I showed it to you. Yes. Yes. Oh, and yeah. so I was on the other side of West Bearskin and I don't know how we missed each other because I, I know. struck off at seven two, and I was like, I'm going to Rose. It's happening. I'm going solo. And I just recently bought a canoe and it's a 17 foot, um, Source River Aquatico nice. 17. Yeah. I love it. Um, and I had tried it earlier this summer as a solo, mm. uh, cause I was reading it was a good one. Um, you know, as far as like turning a tandem into a solo goes yeah. and it was, it was great, but I had never tried it in wind. Oh no. <laughs> oh, so no. it was great going to Rose on the way back. Talk about like guys trying to help you when you're like a strong uh, and independent woman. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh. oh man. Yep. So on the way back. I got to West Bearskin and the rollers were rolling right in. Oh like it can be, it's a fairly, you know, big lake with, yeah. it can be windy. Yeah. And like every, like there were people trying to help me. I'm like, I got it. I got it. And oh gosh. I hopped in the, uh, the canoe and it was like, everybody was watching with oh. bated breath. And I ended up like Kirsa just like pulling up on that campsite and just like waiting there for a few hours for the wind to die down. Mm-hmm. And, did it no oh you know that like i know you know that um movie castaway where he's talking to the the volleyball Mm -hmm. i literally like to pass the time was looking at my map and like talking to my phone like it was wilson the volleyball (laughs) 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 like made a vlog and um so but well as i was looking at my map i saw that there was that other entry point because this i had brought my nat geo map instead of the old fisher map and i was like okay that's not that far from this campsite. That'll be easier to paddle there than to this other where my car is. So I'm like, okay, I paddled to the, <laughs> I ended up landing at Monogen actually. Yeah. And, uh, and I just stashed my canoe and I was going to walk all the way back from, you know, hungry, the end of hungry Jack road to like the boat axis oh. on Clearwater road, which is six miles. But guess what? So this, Really nice lady. Her name's um, Kaya from Thunder Bay was lost and she was looking for, um, there was like an art festival going on and she was looking at, um, she was trying to find Hungry Jack Outfitters because Nancy Nancy Seton. Seton. Yeah. You know, (laughs) she's an artist. And so this lady passed me twice on the road and she's like, do you know where to find this place? I'm like, yes. So she, I took her there and she gave me a ride in my car and she's a musician too. Cool. And she and I are going to like go to the opera together and like, I made a new friend. I'm so excited. <sighs> That's amazing. You kind of oh. love the Boundary Waters, Kirsten. I know. I know. I do. I do because too. especially when you're like paddling past someone, it's like, hey, how's it going? And then if you see a fishing rod, it's like, catch anything good? Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing. It's just Goose a eggs. community. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's good. How about this? Next summer, ladies trip. Yes. And um, can I be your bowman in the um, Gunflint New <gasps> Races 2020? Oh my gosh. There's nothing I would love more Aww. in the entire world. Wonderful. One of my favorite activities. Oh, me too. Well, I'll see you there, Kirsten. Thanks for coming yeah, and joining us today. Anytime. Well, Chelsea, what a great conversation you got to have today on the podcast thanks for bringing your unique energy 
and the way that you interview and the way that you're just so relaxed in conversation, it, you can really tell how it brings out the person that you're with. So good job. Oh, thank you. Kudos to you too, Matthew. I always enjoy listening to your interviews. Well, the best thing about being on this podcast and getting to talk about how great we are is that um, <laughs> nobody's here to argue. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so we, here we go. We wrap it up. Episode 23. Fall is, I mean, it's happening. And, you know, Thanksgiving's coming too, which yes. is really wild and what that whole season is about. And I just want to take a moment and say that something I am so grateful for is community and friends and just being surrounded by people who I feel really loved by and also having the wilderness right here in our backyard. I I mean, there's so many times, whether it's the Boundary Waters or the Superior National Forest, you know, now at this place I'm living, uh, I can actually walk on foot all the way to the Superior Hiking Trail. And uh, that's been amazing. So I'm super grateful for for the designated wilderness, but just the whole wildness yes. of this place that we get to be. Oh, what a wonderful thing to be grateful for. And I'm a little jealous that the SHT is in your backyard. But my backyard has the Mississippi. And that's one thing I'm very grateful for, too. Um. Anything else you're grateful for, Chelsea? <laughs> I'm grateful for, dang, I'm grateful to be a part of this podcast. I'm grateful for so many things. Um, and I am grateful for the wilderness, just like you paddling down the Mississippi. I literally crossed over. This, there was a sign that said, um, don't put your anchor down. There's a gas line. So I'm really grateful for <laughs> um, the, that there aren't any gas lines in the in the wilderness and that we have a we have a place that truly is wild um, that we can go back to. There you have it, straight from Chelsea Lloyd. Uh, thank you, Chelsea, for being with us on the podcast today. Huge thanks to Duluth Pack for being the sponsor of today's episode. Uh, really grateful for how much they've invested in the work we're doing, and um, it's been really cool to have them along on the ride with us. Totally. And a huge thanks to all of you, our listeners. Um, you are why we do this, and you are our extended wilderness family Mm -hmm. Uh, so continue to send us your thoughts and your stories and your reflections and if you think about it on whatever platform that you listen like the podcast rate it leave us a review it actually helps more people find the podcast totally 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 we want to hear from you guys and thank you so much for listening And speaking of Thanksgiving, we will send you off with a... (laughs) I just sing when I paddle. Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true. We're gonna get through to the other side. Out in the night, the waves beat the shore. You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar. Rule me, rock me. You can roll me, rock me in my dreams So I like to sing, I love to dance I play the fool if I got the chance All around the campfire light All around the campfire light All around, all around, all around The campfire light